And eventually, this sort of much more abstract idea that I myself am in some ways capable of soothing my own self, my construct of mom is actually a part of who I am as a person. Welcome to the first Securely Attached Deep Dive. What better place to start than with the namesake of the podcast? We're going to talk about attachment theory and specifically why it's important to form secure attachment bonds in all relationships, but especially the parent-child relationship. Our early attachment figures have an incredible effect on who we become, essential to the formation of children's personalities, self-esteem, mental health, the list goes on and on. These bonds truly inform the way children go on to view their world for the rest of their lives. This is why I'm so interested in this topic and why I wanted to create an entire podcast series on it because it's just so elemental to the work that I do as a therapist. So in this episode, I'm going to review what attachment is. I'm going to give you a brief history of the theory. I'm going to cover the different styles of attachment and why it's such a vital piece of child development. And a little spoiler alert, this theory has one of the most effective strategies for letting parents sort of off the hook in their pursuit of perfection. So you're going to want to hear it. So sit back or maybe just turn up the volume as you run around frantically (laughs) and enjoy. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Bren, a clinical psychologist and mom of two. I've built a career dedicated to helping families find deep connections, build healthy relationships, repair attachment wounds, and raise kids who are healthy, secure, resilient, and kind. In this podcast, I've taken all of my clinical experience, current research on brain science and child psychology, and the insights I've gained on my own parenting journey and distilled everything down into easy-to-understand and actionable parenting insights to help you understand the building blocks of children's social, emotional, and cognitive development so you can tune out the noise and tune into your own authentic parenting voice with confidence and calm. This is Securely Attached. Okay, so let's talk about attachment theory. What is attachment theory and why is it important? So let's start at the beginning. John Bowlby, who's a British psychologist, developed the theory of attachment in the late 50s. What he states in this theory is that attachment is a primary biological process in which infants instinctively form a bond with the parent that serves to increase their proximity to safety and decrease the potential exposure to danger. That's it. It's that simple. We need to be bonded to our caregivers so that we survive. The theory has been expanded upon greatly since then, both by Bowlby and a myriad other clinicians and researchers. But what Bowlby really explains in his attachment theory is that there's there's four behavioral systems that he associates with attachments, and we, he refers to these as the attachment behavioral system. So this is like the thing that the person is doing or the baby is doing behaviorally to maintain that attachment. One is proximity maintenance. So this is how close physically we are to our attachment figures. Two is the secure base. We're going to talk a lot more about the secure base later in this episode. But the secure base is that the parent is able to be a reliable source of comfort, safety, and love. And a child's knowledge of this secure base allows them to relax and explore their world. The third 
in this attachment behavioral system is a safe haven. So when we return to our secure base, when we need to refuel or seek comfort or safety, when we experience a threat, that we can go to this safe haven, the environment in which our secure base exists. And then the fourth is separation distress, the expected and natural anxiety that occurs when the attachment figure is not present. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about why, where you see this and how naturally this occurs in a child's play. But we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the research behind this theory and, and the history of how it's been sort of measured and operationalized, which means how we can kind of identify kind of consistent elements of secure attachment that we can measure in a, a, a scientific setting or in an experimental setting. So Mary Ainsworth, she's a very important figure in the theory of attachment. She's a Canadian-American psychologist. And when she, she was following the, the theories of John Bowlby, she was studying this in the 70s. And she created a, um, an experiment called The Strange Situation in which she was able to measure the quality of these attachment relationships that Bowlby identified. And this is the first time we're really able to identify that there are qualitative differences in these attachment relationships. How secure this attachment is within the relationship and how that's really able to be empirically studied in a lab and you know, since then we've extrapolated it to like, you know, be able to identify it outside of a lab in our relationships. Um, But basically it's this idea that like there's something happening in these attachment relationships that are measurable, which means they keep happening across all different types of relationships. In fact, it's really interesting because Mary Ainsworth first did this study in Uganda um, and then later in Baltimore. So she's looking at very different populations and finding very similar findings in the qualities of these attachment relationships. And she identified four different styles of attachment. So these four different styles of attachment that Mary Ainsworth is able to measurably identify in all of her research are secure, secure attachment, avoidant attachment, ambivalent attachment, and disorganized attachment. I'm going to go through each one of these briefly. So secure attachment, um, basically, you know, in this study, when the parent is present, the child is able to freely explore the environment using the parent as a secure base. And again, we're going to talk more about secure bases in a bit. But when the child, when the separation occurs, there's distress that the child is wary of the experimenter when he, when the baby when he or she is separated from the mother the child expresses relief and happiness upon the return of the parent and then and is able to be comforted and soothed by the parent this is what's happening in the study um in these experimental settings upon separating and reuniting and then avoidant attachment is identified by sort of an indifference in the separation. Mom leaves and I don't really notice. I don't really care. I'm fine being alone with the stranger. I don't have much shift in my behavior when I'm alone with the stranger. I may avoid my parent or show very little interest in them when they come back. And I'm not very phased by this separation at all. In an ambivalent attachment, 
a child will will display extreme distress upon separation. They're very wary. They're very afraid of the experimenter. They're hesitant upon the return of the parent. They'll go to them, but they'll resist them. They have a lot of difficulty being soothed by the parent. In general, this child cries more and explores their environment less than the other two types of attachment styles. And in a disorganized attachment style, upon separation, you see a a tremendous amount of confusion, apprehension, and a very unusual sort of freeze-like behavior, both when the parent separates and when they return. This is very common in instances of trauma where the child is is frightened of their parent, um, and that might be due to abuse or neglect. This is not a common attachment style, um, thankfully, um, but that is sort of at sort of the extreme end of the spectrum. That's sort of the attachment style that we end up seeing. So let's go back to this idea of the secure base and why it's so critical and why it's so central to the idea of attachment theory. The secure base is us, the parent. Our job is to be this secure base. So what what is that job? We have to be a reliable source of comfort, safety, and love. Our child's trust in us as their secure base allows them to relax and explore their world. They know that they can return to their safe and waiting caregiver, us, whenever they need to refuel and regain a sense of comfort and security. They know that we will be there. And we can see this secure base interaction play out with a child. Think about the last time you observed your child on the playground. And think about how your child, you know, you're sitting there, they're with you, and then they go off and they start to play. And as they start to play, this, you know, this idea of the the natural... um, incremental separation distress, the expected and natural anxiety that comes from being separate from our attachment figure, it starts to mount, right? They're off on the sandbox or on the slide. And as they spend more and more time away from us, their anxiety from being separated from us mounts in their body until it hits some sort of tipping point where they're no longer comfortable enough to continue playing without checking back in. And so you see a kid run back to their caregiver, or maybe they just make eye contact with them, but they do some some sort of interplay with that person to fill back up, to check back in and to know, okay, they're still there. All right, I'm safe. And then I can go back out. So they... So there's this filling up with the secure base that allows the child to then feel I've got enough of them in me to go off and play until it runs out and then I got to go back and refuel. And so really this is that interplay that you see the dance that you see between a child and a parent or a child and a caregiver that really reinforces for that child over and over and over again that this is a person who is reliable a reliable source of comfort, safety, and love. And now in that knowledge, I can kind of be free to go play. And it's very powerful and it's very reinforcing of a secure attachment to that person. And importantly, you can have a secure attachment and you can have secure bases um, who are many different people, right? Obviously, we want our children to be attached securely to us, uh, their parents, but we also, you know, our child can have a secure attachment to their teachers, to their 
to their nannies, to neighbors, to extended family, the more different uh, individuals in their life with whom they can have a secure attachment, the better. It's never going to be as profound as the one of that they have with their primary attachment figures. You know, they're typically their parents. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, extended family or nannies can serve this kind of primary role too. But you know, the more the better, because again, and we're going to talk about this idea of a blueprint. But the, this blueprint gets richer and richer and richer as it gets built, um, you know, more and more secure relationships get added to it. And initially this idea of the secure base is an external concept, you know, that's my mom or that's my nanny or that's my dad. The secure base eventually becomes internalized by the child and it becomes something that they actually, it becomes part of their sense of self and their relationship to the world. So, you know, the the sense of soothing I get from coming over to my mom is something that I physically have to go seek out externally initially. Then as I start to internalize it, I might be able to like conjure up an image of my mom in my mind. Like let's say I'm at daycare and I miss my mom or I need I, ur- I have an urge for soothing. I might be able to then conjure up an image of my mom in my mind and find that comforting. And eventually, this sort of much more abstract idea that I myself am in some ways capable of soothing my own self and my construct of mom is actually a part of who I am as a person. This is like our identity formation, our sense of self, our personality and our... um, sort of confidence in the world and how we think other people will will receive us. So if our secure if our attachment figures were reliably meeting our needs and interested in our feelings and our perceptions of the world, we would assume that other future people we interact with will treat us in a similar fashion. If however we have attachment figures who are dismissing of our internal experience or our you know, shaming of us for expressing our emotions, we are likely to assume most other people we meet will do the same and we might adjust our behavior accordingly. So that might look like, you know, if every time I express anger at my parent, I'm yelled at and punished or their affection is removed, I remember my drive is to attach to that caregiver and have proximity to that caregiver. So that's going to trump any need of mine to express my anger. And so I will cut off that anger. I will cut that experience of anger out of my conscious awareness. I will suppress it um, so that I can maintain closest with my caregiver. And as a result, as I get older, I'm going to start to assume that most people will shame me or... um, not accept me if I have anger. So I will continue to keep that anger out of my life. Unfortunately, that means that this individual who will inevitably feel anger is just not necessarily going to have an integrated relationship with that anger. So how our secure basis, how our attachment figures receive us and how we internalize that has a huge impact on our development. Um, both in our personality development, in our development of our sense of self, in our development our development of our in our interpersonal relationships, in our development of our ability to, to sort of have a robust emotional life, all these things. It's very important. 
Okay, so let's go back to the secure base. Bowlby referred to this process of internalizing the secure base as creating an internal working model of oneself and of others. So I like to refer to this as a blueprint, something our children will refer back to in order to anticipate how others might respond to them and whether or not they expect their needs to be met by others. As they continue through life, they are going to use this blueprint to navigate new relationships. As they learn new things about people, they can edit the blueprint with new information. So this blueprint really is the foundation of one's sense of self, and it's deeply rooted in our early attachment experiences. So let's go back to the beginning of the creation of this blueprint and how, as parents, we can support the most healthy version of this blueprint being created. So I position, I suggest that there are four critical components for us as parents to keep in mind in order for us to be the secure base through which secure attachment is going to get fostered. The four components are trust, comfort, safety, and met needs. So how do we create these things? I would suggest that in All four of these components rely on something called authentic attunement. Authentic attunement means that we are being a curious observer of our child. We are thinking of them as a fully whole individual from birth who can and will show you who they are and what they want and they need. And it's our job to trust in them. If we can do this, we will create a relationship that has elements, sort of naturally elements of trust, comfort, safety, and our child's experience of their needs being met by us. Now, it's really important because we don't have to get this right all the time for it to take place. And this is critical. We do not need to get this right all the time for this to take place, for us to be a secure base. In fact, we do not want to get this right all the time. It actually is not how a secure base and secure attachment is formed. This is an idea kind of put forth by a a British pediatrician and psychoanalyst named Winnicott, Donald Winnicott. He coined this term, the good enough parent. In 1953. And if you kind of remember at the beginning, I was talking about Bowlby was doing this stuff in the 60s, Winnicott's doing this in the early to mid 50s. These are all kind of happening in the same time. Winnicott is an object relations theorist and attachment theory and object relations theory. I know I'm getting kind of heady in the psycho babble, but these are theories that are very intertwined and very deeply rooted in in kind of complementary of one another. So this good enough parent. Good enough parent is this idea that, okay, we are, we're human beings. We cannot read each other's minds. We are going to make, do our best, try to understand what our kids need in the moment, right? You're a new mom, your baby's crying. You got to guess. You got to guess why they're crying. And you make educated guesses, right? Going back to that idea of of authentic attunement, we're going to be kind of attuned to our child and get it right most of the time. But there are going to be times where our baby's crying because they're cold and we feed them. Or they're crying because they're tired and we burp them. Um, It's these misattunements in our relationship with our baby that actually leads to our child's sense of self, that they are 
a separate being from their caregiver. And in this space between me and mom, that space is I realize like, oh, I'm a separate per- person from her. That, that space is the relationship. This is where the relationship forms. And that is where attachment happens. If I'm merged with my mother, if I don't know that I'm a separate being from mom, I don't have a relationship with her. I'm one with her. I am her. Um, and when, when our babies are born, it is that. It, it, there's this blurry, amorphous, boundaryless sense of me and my mother. I don't know where I end and my mother begins. But as the brain develops and the body and the nervous system develop and this this relationship develops that that does have misattunements, that does have um, moments where I feel as the child unknown by my, mon- my, my mother or my parent, my attachment figure, or my needs aren't being appropriately met um, in this moment. I, uh, I begin to understand that I'm a separate being from this person, and that is the space in which I start to understand that I am in relationship with this person. And this is just the natural development of relationships and of child development and attachment. So what do we know about secure attachment? Why is it so important that we understand that that relationship that a child has with their attachment care, with their, with their primary caregiver, their mother, their father, um, their grandmother, um, why is this so important that it's secure? So it's been studied profoundly fusely in the in the field of psychology and child development. And it's really been shown that secure attachment is a predictor of so many important things. It's a predictor of increased mental health, self, self-esteem, self-reliance, independence, lower reported instances of anxiety and depression. Individuals who demonstrate secure attachment styles have healthier relationships with others throughout their lifespan. Uh, it's been associated with a reduced stress response, with better physical health, with better uh, education and achievement, academic achievement, better workplace achievement. Um, it The list really goes on and on and on. And I say all of this because I really want to help you understand how to optimally support your child's development of their own sense of self and of their interpersonal interpersonal relationships because misconceptions around this concept of secure attachment and of the good enough parent um they're often a huge source of guilt for parents. You know, I think there's this tremendous pressure we put on ourselves as parents that we need to be perfect. We need to get it right all the time. Otherwise, we're going to mess up our kids. And, you know, that puts us in a position of either, you know, overpaving the way, helicopter parenting or, you know, the, the kind of parenting where we we really, I think they call it like snowplow parenting, where you, you plow away like all the obstacles for your child because we're so afraid that if we don't do this, our child is not going to thrive. And in reality, allowing our child to have struggle, allowing our child to to work things out on their own. This is a way while while being there for them in that struggle allows them to know that we trust them and allows them to internalize that sense of being trusted and being resilient and being capable into that blueprint that we were talking about earlier. So 
yes, it's very important to support secure attachment for the many reasons we just covered, but it's also important to remind yourself that perfection in parenthood is not a predictor of secure attachment. In fact, as you know, we know about this idea of the good enough mother, or now we call it the good enough parent, but actually perfectionism in parenthood is often far more predictive of anxiety, of codependency, sometimes even narcissism. It's not optimal. We really, we need to be real. We need to be human. We, as parents, need to have our own needs. We need to model self-care for ourselves and we need to model self-compassion and we need to be curious about our child's inner world and understand that they are them and we are us and we are separate individuals who cannot read one another's minds. So we need to be curious and we need to communicate and we need to understand we will get it wrong sometimes and give ourselves grace and humility and apologize authentically without heaping on a tremendous amount of guilt on ourselves. This is all how we support secure attachment in our relationship with our children, by being known and by knowing them, by creating safety and allowing for mistakes without judgment of ourselves or of our children. Thank you so much for listening. As I've said, there is so much to cover with this topic, and I'm going to continue to get into it much more in future episodes. But I really hope this helps set the stage and gives you a basic understanding of the principles of this theory. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe. It makes a huge difference in order to get the podcast to appear on streaming platforms and helps us get the word out to as many parents as we possibly can. And the more subscribers we can get, the better. And that way you'll never miss an update. So help me spread the word. And also head over to my Instagram page at Securely Attached Podcast and give me a comment on this episode's post or shoot me a DM because I'd really love to get to know you, hear what your pain points have been and the topics that you're interested in hearing more about. It's really important to me that, you know, all the people listening to this podcast, all the parents out there that they just never feel shame or guilt in talking about the hardest parts about parenting. This is a totally safe space where I just really want to offer support and share that that understanding that every kid is different and there's no better expert on your own child than you. So that's it. Subscribe. We've covered that. Like and rate the podcast. And until next week, don't be a stranger. <laughs>